0: Welcome to the Ready Eddie Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host,
1: Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? Did you know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports? At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At Ready Yeti.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out ReadyEddie.com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. Hello and welcome to the Eddie podcast. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Marshall Mosier, co-founder of Vestigo.co, which is a platform for locals to share their outdoor expertise, find a trip, learn something, or lead a trip. They call it guide sharing. Marshall, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me.
0: Absolutely! Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, it's exciting to be here,
1: without a doubt. So, right off the bat, for the listener who doesn't know what Vestigo.co is, can you sort of give us a quick, you know, couple sentence of explain it? What you would say to someone who just, you know, started talking to you?
0: The elevator pitch, totally. (laughs) Uh, I've only done it a million times, so I I hope it uh, (laughs) it sounds good. So essentially what we are is a peer-to-peer guide-sharing platform uh, which lets local outdoor enthusiasts create and lead their own guided experiences so that people who are looking to experience a new area or learn a new sport can do that with the guidance of a local professional who not only knows the sport, but knows the area like the back of their hand. It really creates a local, really genuine feeling and experience. I always like to equate it with like an Airbnb type platform, if anyone's familiar with that. Um how you really have that local sense local feel um, and it's the same type of concept with uh utilizing the sharing economy to um connect the uh the supply the people who have the gear and the knowledge to lead great trips with the demand people who are looking to experience something new for the first time
1: that's great that's great so how did you how did you come up with this
0: yes yeah, so i um i was I was in uh I was in the last semester of my masters program at the University of Georgia and I had been studying a, a lot of different things essentially I originally wanted to go to med school realized that all the things that I thought were my strengths like being able to uh, kind of innovate, prototype, uh, creativity. Those aren't really things you do in med school. I can't be like, I'm going to try this new procedure and see how it works. Uh, so, (laughs) so I, I quickly realized that wasn't really for, for me. Uh, but then I thought I, I really did like medicine and, um, and healthcare and, and public health. So I did a master's in, uh, in public administration with a healthcare focus, um, wanting to explore healthcare policy, hospital administration, that kind of thing. And, uh, I got to my last semester, I did a bunch of internships and I really didn't connect with anything. And that semester I took an entrepreneurship elective, um, where I, uh, I really kind of learned what entrepreneurship really is. You know, I, I had a sense for what a startup is and that kind of thing, you know, watching like Silicon Valley on HBO and, uh, things like that. Um, but uh, I never really had an accurate, realistic uh, impression of, of what it was until I took that class. And through that class, I realized that there really was a way to combine <clears throat> my passion for the outdoors with my uh, professional um, aspiration to be in the world of healthcare in terms of uh, public health. So I came up with this idea of combining my experience as a guide. So I worked for the Outdoor Rec program at the University of Georgia as my student job all throughout uh, college. Um, So I realized that we could create a platform that helps people live more active lifestyles by encouraging them to learn new experiences and explore new places um, through the outdoors by connecting with these incredible local people who are all over the country and all over the world. It's just very hard to find them if you're not in the right friend group, uh, if you're not in the right place at the right time. Uh, and so many of these people are incredibly um, giving in terms of, you know, people who love the outdoors love sharing it with others. So I, I thought there's got to be a way to pair up these really awesome local outdoor professionals that love doing what they do, you know, more kind of casually as, as a hobby with people who really want to learn a new sport, try something out for the first time uh and there there should be a way to combine those um a little bit easier and and also a way for those local outdoor professionals to be able to earn a part-time income by doing what they love
1: that's really interesting so your business caters to two sides it's the you know person who wants to get outside and you know maybe try rock climbing go on a multi-day um trek or whatever it is Or, and on the flip side, you have the person who's very well experienced and then can lead those sorts of trips and take people who maybe not, who don't have as much experience,
0: sort of get out there. Exactly. Which, um, I wish I learned this in my entrepreneurship class. Unfortunately, I didn't realize this lesson until I was well into Vestigo, but creating a marketplace type company is difficult. Um... I wish I just had one side to focus on, but uh, trying to make a platform where you have two very different types of audiences and being able to uh, efficiently and effectively cater to both of those types of audiences is is very challenging, which is why it's it's very successful when you can create marketplace type sharing economy models that work, but it's also very difficult um, and uh, it's a steep challenge for sure.
1: So, so you went to school in UGA. Are you originally from Georgia or... Are you? Right? I am. Okay. I am from the Metro Atlanta area. Nice, nice. So, um, vestigo, which I've been saying wrong since <laughs> I no time. actually,
0: it, it's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it right, vestigo. But a lot of people call it vestigo. It's uh, uh hey, as long as you you know uh, know what we are, you can call it whatever you want.
1: So. so, what's what's the significance behind the name?
0: So, it was actually a bit of inspiration from. Um, a fellow Athens, Georgia entrepreneur uh, with a company called Umano. Um, they've been one of the big startups in Athens um, since before we started. They were on Shark Tank, have been pretty successful. And uh, they've been uh, a really great mentor for me. The way they got their name uh, really is what inspired us with our name. So essentially what we did was um, we we wanted a name that didn't have any prior connotations. When you think of vestigo, you don't really have anything that pops up in your head, but we also wanted it to have meaning to it. So essentially what we did was we thought it'd be cool to have a Latin word that meant something, but also was a unique word in, in the English language. So what we did was we went on this just Latin translating website. Actually, we went on this just language translating website and we typed in outdoor buzzwords like adventure, explore, uh, things like that. And we had to translate into every single language, uh, that we could possibly <laughs> translate it into. And of, of course we wanted to focus on the Latin ones cause those were the ones that sounded the best. And right. of course we ended up going with the Latin one. So vestigo, um, is Latin for to follow or to explore. Um, and, uh, it's actually pronounced westigo in Latin, uh, because V's are pronounced W's, but right. no one You know, if you didn't take a Latin class in school, you wouldn't know that. But uh, so technically, that's what Still didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. I guess it's not that big of a deal. then. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's cool. And I I think um,
1: when I was uh, younger in like high school, I was going to start a a production company um, related to snow sports. And we we sort of went follow the same sort of process of like, let's take a Latin word that means something related to skiing. And start a production company, and we we um, ended on uh, Neveus Productions, which is basically snow in Latin. <laughs> so cool. I, I totally get the the like the root like idea of where you came up with it. So I, I think that's great.
0: It's not a bad way uh, uh, yeah. way to create a name. And honestly, you know, the most important aspect of a name is whether the domain is available or not. Oh, so man. There's nothing worse uh, than coming
1: up with a brilliant name and then like cringing when you're on GoDaddy being like please be available, please <laughs>
0: be available and it's like taken. And you're like, damn it. It's gone. Everything is gone these days. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's uh that's really, you know, the primary reason why we went with Best Ego. That's awesome. So you guys
1: are predominantly focused in the southeast. So what sports, outdoor activities do you guys focus on?
0: Mm. Right. So we're mainly focused on um, on trips that can cater towards entry level type activities. So whatever we do, um, we we want to be that first experience into that sport for people. Um, So most of what we do is while some of the trips might be um, things like, you know, rock climbing or rappelling that's hard to do outside, it's more like entry level uh, things for those types of, uh, of experiences. Cause a lot of people who are using Vestigo are people who've always wanted to learn X sport or ex- explore X area. So, um, we've, we've got, uh, you know, everything from hiking, backpacking, like intro whitewater kayaking, rappelling, climbing, uh, all, all those typical types of, you know, outdoor adventure Things, But there's also been some really unique trips uh, because we don't actually create or lead the trips ourselves. We we just maintain the platform and and try to spread it and find excellent guides and help them along the process of creating and leading their own trips. But ultimately, the guide is the one that is, um, you know, the, the creator. They're the ones that make the trips that usually reflect whatever interests they're most excited about in the areas that they know best. So we've had some really unique trips come up that we never would have thought to create ourselves. Like for instance, we have a marine biologist in uh, Savannah, Georgia, who creates uh, these sea turtle hiking trips that talk about the like, sea turtle migration and hike along the, the Savannah, Georgia coast. Um, where you can like, it's not just a hike, but you also learn all this stuff about sea turtle migration and hopefully even see some sea turtles laying eggs or hatching and things like that. Um, we've got, a astronomer who's a big camper and backpacker so he does these uh meteor shower hiking camping trips where he'll schedule them specifically on meteor showers um and be able to point out the star constellations and and show um uh show what a meteor shower looks and kind of explain it from a Um, astrological perspective while incorporating the outdoor aspect into it, too. So there's all these really unique ways to combine different uh, ways to experience the outdoors that we never would have thought of ourselves. You know, a lot of yoga instructors are are using the site to lead their own guided outdoor yoga experiences where they'll uh, do a yoga class in a park um, or even do a hiking trip to a waterfall and have a yoga class with the waterfall and the sound of the water um, in the background and uh, really unique things like that.
1: Man, you're making me want to go
0: on there for a trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come join. Yeah, no, without a doubt. You just got to get them up in the northeast. (laughs) I know. We're trying to uh, reach out to New York actually right now.
1: Without a doubt, Well, we should talk offline event. I can put you in contact with a few people for their for definitely some winter sports and climbing, gunks area, all that kind of stuff. But
0: Awesome. So, yeah, we're actually looking to uh to do some winter sports up in uh the northeast for, for this winter. So we're we're kind of in the early stage process of of trying to expand uh there for that kind of thing.
1: So how do you how do how do you find guides and how do you make sure that they're you know the trips that they're guiding are good enough so that when someone goes on them they're going to be like, "All right, this goes great. Like the guides are solid. They know what they're doing. I'm learning." You know, how do you how do you make sure that they're producing, you know, the quality that you guys want?
0: So, essentially what we do is whenever we find a new potential guide, we just ask them, "Have you heard of Ready Eddie before?" And if they say yes, then they're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have fun to say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's totally gonna. We're gonna integrate that into our application you process. You should. You should. <laughs> I know. We should. <laughs> so uh, we definitely play. Um, uh, we definitely take the the onboarding process and the selection process very seriously because, um, especially because since we're not actually creating the trips ourselves or. Uh, or leading them, we know that the quality of those trips is so important and reflects very much so on us that we need to ensure that the guides are doing a fantastic job. Um, even though they're more independent on their own, having the autonomy to create the trips that they want to lead when they want to lead them. Um, so what we do is we have a pretty extensive application process, but, um, essentially it's, uh, it's pretty easy to get started. You just go to our website, you go to the top right corner where it says uh lead a trip. It shows you a little bit of information about what leading a trip is like and it's about on average a 10-minute form to fill out which tells us who you are, where you are, what certifications you have, what type of activities you want to lead, um and uh you know why you want to be a Vestigo guide. So from there, you immediately get access to the guide's dashboard which is a um kind of an exclusive part of the site that is only available for guides that is the portal that lets you create um, and manage your your trips. Uh, you can see how many participants have signed up and add photos, add dates, that kind of thing. Um, so once you're into the guides dashboard, the first step is we have a lot of kind of um, helpful material that helps you create a trip and tells you like what kind of trips are um, uh, are usually the most successful. What factors are you uh, are are really good to include in your trips. Um so then when a guide first creates a trip and there's a lot of people that um will get to that first step and never create a trip which is why we have it structured this way so we don't spend a ton of time talking to people if they're never going right. to um create a trip so after they create the trip that's actually when the vetting process begins um so when they create a trip and uh submit it it doesn't go live on the site it goes pending and we have to uh hand approve every trip Um, So once a new guide uh, has created a trip, then we really start the vetting process of uh, setting up a video chat with the guide, getting referrals from the guide, uh, and we also factor in the quality of the trip they made because that also tells us a lot about the experience of uh, the guide, not only in terms of their own outdoor experience, but um, how qualified they are to lead others and how well you can write a trip description and how well you can have the professionalism to be able to describe what you're doing. Um, so all those factors play a role. And once, we, once everything kind of um, checks off all the categories we're looking for, uh, we'll go ahead and list that trip live on the site. Um, and then what we do is we actually have some of our adventure ambassadors, which are people who love the mission and the idea of what we're doing that have signed up to help us spread. And by being an adventure ambassador, you get to go on any trip on the site for free. So if anyone's listening today and thinks that's awesome, definitely reach out to us and we would love to bring you on as an adventure ambassador. And those roles are really important because they're the first people that are going on that trip. And yes, the trip is live and other people can sign up for it. But the adventure ambassadors immediately sign up for the first trip that they have listed. Um, and they give us feedback on how well the guide was not in terms of just the, um, just the, you know, what certifications you have and that kind of thing. But also, you know, how fun was the guide? How personal was the guide? Do I want to go out in the woods for four hours with this person? Um, And that feedback really is kind of the last step that helps us to get a really good holistic sense of is this person really going to be a great guide? And we want to help them to become better as well. So we give a lot of the advice uh, back to the guide as well. And we actively work with the guides to uh, to help them be the best guides they can be, even though it is um, a more autonomous platform. So that's a, a bit of an overview of the process. But <laughs> essentially, we—it's uh, a lot more complicated than that. But oh, I, I, I could talk for the whole interview. <laughs> uh, essentially, we want to make sure that those that the guys that are creating trips on Vestigo are are excellent, because the way we kind of compare us to meet up is almost like Airbnb versus couch surfing. Like, yeah, couch surfing is free, but you don't know who you're going to meet up with. And like, usually those people are cool, but not everyone is in the mindset of, I'm just going to stay on some random person's couch. Just like not everyone's in the mindset of, I'm just going to meet up with some random people and meet up and, and do a trip. So we're trying to be the more professional version of, um, of, of, of the meetup type experience uh, so that we can really, give people who are going on best trips, the peace of mind that these guides are going to offer an awesome experience because only the guys that are qualified and awesome are able to list trips and that they're going to be safe. Uh, they have the certifications, they have the experience and, um, and you know, they're not going to be someone who's going to abduct you in the middle of the woods. I mean, hopefully (laughs) that would not happen with someone on meetup either, but you never know because they don't do background checks and that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a long process, but essentially we want to make sure that all the trips are awesome.
1: I bet. So, going through all of that, obviously, it was a very complicated process. And you know, knowing what you studied in college, how the hell did you develop this process? <laughs> you know what I mean? To get to, <laughs> to get started, like where? You know what I mean? Like who did did you bring people in? Do you know people who have done something like this before? How did you sort of go through that whole? development process and it's kind of like prototyping, but obviously since your product isn't a physical product, it's a little bit different.
0: Oh, no, it's definitely like prototyping for sure. Um our process wasn't always uh that um kind of thorough. Uh we definitely had to learn through through doing. Um but eventually we realized that look we're not we don't have to reinvent the wheel on this. There's other companies out there that are marketplace type companies that have developed excellent ways that they vet their, um, their people that are the ones that are using it as a job. You know, every company has a different term for those people, but essentially the ones creating the supply. Um, and we got connected with a site called a based out of Chattanooga. And they have a really incredible, uh, very well thought out, very thorough, um, uh, onboarding process for, um, for their, uh, their bellhops essentially. So they're a peer to peer moving company that lets, uh, usually college students, um, be, uh, be movers, uh, help people move in and out of apartments, um, and use that sharing economy type concept. So they don't work for bellhops, but they're using it as a part-time job, just like you would as an Uber driver. And right. they've developed an outstanding process and, and we're like, well, you know, the, the best, Form of flattery is uh, is is just replicating what someone else has done and and um, and they've uh, they 've helped us a lot to uh, to implement that for us that's
1: really cool. I think you bring a really good point the fact that you don 't have to reinvent the wheel and so many people entrepreneurs when they first start out they 're just like you know they, they stick their head down and they sort of just like run in a direction they don 't realize that there 's all these resources around them businesses that while they 're not the same as theirs. There there are aspects of them that are very similar that they can be like, all right, I'll take this from here and this from over here, and you know we will sort of figure it out, you know, MacGyver it together.
0: Uh, exactly. Exactly. Great. So yeah, it's it's helps a lot to to look at case studies of what other companies have done and try to see if we can do it as well.
1: Without a doubt. So are you guys bootstrapped? Did you guys raise money? I know you guys are a little over a year old, correct?
0: Yeah, we won the lottery. <laughs> one one that <laughs> I, I i tell myself that every day maybe tomorrow yeah. uh, <laughs> i actually heard a story of a ceo uh, a startup founder who <laughs> who went to vegas and he had like he had enough to sort of bootstrap, but not really. But he just bet it all on one hand of blackjack, and it's like if he loses, then well, that's entrepreneurship. People lose all the time, but <laughs> if he wins, he'll have the money to actually do what he wants to do. And he won, and was able, and then they like ended up being like an IPO story. That's so, awesome. uh, one in a million. <laughs> yeah, you know I know, right? So something interesting. I've
1: actually never played the lottery. <laughs> really?
0: Never. Wow. in my life. That's awesome. Know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's like all my friends are like, dude, like you want to play the lottery and I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't really have the desire <laughs> to do that. Don't.
0: Like, yeah, it's uh, I mean, the odds are, you know, yeah, no, you're exactly. not going to win. But uh, you know, there's always that chance though. That's so true. But um as much as I wish I could say we won the lottery once we went to Vegas, I haven't uh haven't made that work yet. Um eventually, it's going to work one of these days. But so what what we've done so far is we've tried to be as lean as possible um and really cut our burn rate down um as as much as we possibly can uh to be able to bootstrap um most of the early part of of what we've done so myself and our other founder um Daniel uh both of us haven't taken salaries um we've we've done other things to to make money for ourselves um and uh, to be able to pay the bills, uh, fortunately, we, we haven't had to um, do Vestigo really on the side uh, with another full time job. But we've been able to uh, we've been able to get by with uh, with focusing full time on Vestigo, but still doing other creative things to to be able to pay the bills. Uh, but while bootstrapping for the majority of Uh, of the history of the company so far. Um, We did start taking on angel investment in uh, January of this year. Um, And that's definitely helped to kind of take take it to the next level. So we're actually trying to close out a seed round right now. Um, where we'll be able to uh, really expand um, expand the model we have right now to um, about two more cities. But most importantly, we'll be able to bring on about two more full-time people that have the experience and the skill sets that we're lacking in the team right now that can really help us um, to not just expand and grow, but to reevaluate some of the um, things we're focusing on and the processes that that we've built um, and we really can't get those people or at least the quality of the people we need until we raise the money to do it. So bootstrapping has gotten us uh, a good bit further than uh, if we had tried to raise money in the beginning. And it's always, it's always good to try to go as far as you can without raising money um, because you're going to be able to command um, you know a, a higher valuation and, and have to give up less of your company. Um, but uh, if if you can focus on just building your business, and letting investors come to you, it's so much more uh, beneficial of a situation than trying to chase all these investors because you think you need funding when you really don't. And at the sake, you know, you, you chase these investors at the sake of focusing on building your business because both are a full-time job. And as much as you tell yourself you can do both, you can't. Um, so we've we've tried to go as long as possible um, to to make ourselves more attractive for people to more more so come to us than us trying to chase them. Uh, but we kind of are at that stage where we, we do need to kind of take it to the next level. So that's, uh, that's kind of the financial history for us.
1: That's great. I think you bring you a great point in the fact that a lot of people think you have to do one or the other. It's like you're either a bootstrap business or you raise a, try and raise a ton of money. Uh, in reality, it's sort of a hybrid approach where it's just like, okay, you um, try and bootstrap it as long as you can. You get to the point where you're sort of like hitting critical mass are like all right we need to bring in new people more people we need to raise money so that we can sort of get to that next level one question i have is what, what were some of the side hustles you guys would do to you know make money while you were focusing on vestigo but not having a full-time job
0: i bet you get a lot of uh i don't know if you asked that in other interviews but i'm sure people have some interesting <laughs> stories for that that kind of thing i i love uh i love listening to entrepreneurs entrepreneurs who done stuff like that because there's always fascinating, uh, examples. So, um, I've mentioned Airbnb a couple times already because they, their story and just what they've done with their platform has been a huge inspiration for us. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, when they first started, they, uh, had a very difficult time getting traction, very slow growth, not very good revenue numbers. They almost went out of business multiple times. And one time uh, they had pitched a bunch of investors and everyone had said no, and they were going to run out of money uh, unless they came up with a way to make money. So what they did was they um, this was during the first Obama election and for the Democratic National Convention, they created Cheerios that were branded as Obama O's. And they had a picture on the front of the box that was like Obama dressed in like a Captain Crunch suit or whatever, like so was saying Obama O's and they sold them for 40 bucks a um uh, a box and they they made twenty thousand dollars that helped nice. them to continue yeah continue to the next uh the next phase in their company where they could actually raise some money and if they hadn't done that they that wouldn't exist that multi-billion dollar company would not be here right now if they hadn't sold obama owes so <laughs> i was like look you know Obama owes that's a cool story but like we can do better (laughs) we can do better than cereal come on guys (laughs) so so what we did was this was right in the uh the beginning of the hoverboard craze uh as I'm sure you've heard of those uh exploding amazing devices of course uh fortunately none of ours exploded um (laughs) but, but what we did was um i had been at um a program out in South silicon valley the summer before where uh, it was an entrepreneurial, fo- uh, entrepreneurial technology focused program where we had all the latest technology and of course we had a hoverboard just because we thought it was awesome it wasn't really part of the program it was just a bunch of tech loving people and we were like like right on the cutting edge so like right when hoverboards came out like we had them before anyone else knew about them and right when i came back from that program i was like There is a business opportunity here, and we can use this to raise some money for Vestigo. So I, uh, I talked to the guy who got the hoverboard, and of course, he had to buy it from some factory directly in China, which we know how to contact with. So we bought, we bought 40 hoverboards directly from China for, uh, for about $200 each. Um and this was right when the hoverboards first were getting popular and they were going for like a thousand bucks or more in the U.S. Damn. Um, so what we did was we just created our own wow. brand. Uh, it was Hoverboard with like a U in the hover. Um, <laughs> got the URL. Uh, and we uh we we bought them for two hundred and we sold them for four hundred, so we'd make a hundred percent profit on each one. Um, and we sold out. Um we sold out the first order of I think we ordered 20 in the beginning in like two weeks. Then we got another order, sold those out, and um uh yeah, raised a good amount of money that we put straight into Vestigo uh just for from hoverboards. And this was we had sold out of our last one right before the news stories broke about like some hoverboards are exploding. And of course yeah. those were the ones that that were made very fast. Uh in China to um, to cope with a huge demand that came out of nowhere and the ones we had gotten were not from the factory that made the exploding ones it was just a battery problem essentially so fortunately we didn't have to deal with any uh customers that had exploding hoverboards. I think it was only like four out of all the hoverboards but it was this national news story of like every hoverboard's gonna explode now but Of (laughs) of course so after that story came out uh, I think the u s actually banned the shipment of hoverboards we couldn 't buy anymore if we wanted to, but it was kind of at the point where like they were easier to get and like the the opportunity had already passed, so we had already kind of got right in that sweet spot um and just you know called it and that 's uh Perfect. that was our obama o story
1: that 's awesome. Yours is way more exciting than ours. We built websites for ski shops. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, nowhere near yeah. as cool as hoverboards, but you
0: know, we're still, <laughs> yeah. we're still maybe we got a few others up our sleeve. <laughs> like if you could make a hoverboard for the ski slopes, that'd be a game changer. It sounds really Like uh but Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, no, I, what I'm envisioning is like a um like a snowmobile hoverboard, like a hoverboard with snowmobile wheels, so it has like the tracks <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can like ride on the snow. Yeah, you got got to start that. I think you're onto something. I know, right?
1: Uh, let's try it out that's awesome so so this was this was before you guys launched or this was like in the middle of you guys launching
0: um this was right after we had launched yeah so we we had just uh and by launched i mean launched the the version of the site we had now we had a prototype up for the first four months um but it was uh it was a prototype. It was to test out whether we should do this full time, whether there's potential, and um, uh, the real the real launch was was in September with the site we have now.
1: Nice, nice. So throughout this process, I assume you guys had mentors. Who,
0: who are they? Definitely. You know,
1: how have they helped you guys get where you are?
0: Well, we um, well, I, I learned early on from uh, from completely unrelated things that uh, you you shouldn't. You, you really can't and you shouldn't try to do anything by yourself. There's amazing people that have done incredible things and people genuinely want to help others who are interested in doing things that, um, that they connect with and that inspire them. So we played a, we put a lot of focus on trying to find really outstanding mentors to, um, to not only just help us in general, but mentors that had the skill sets that we were lacking. Um, so, uh, we found a couple of different people who've been really crucial, um, to, to helping us, uh, get started that, um, that played varying degrees of involvement roles that, uh, that all contributed really key pieces that we, we didn't have before. So, um, uh, one of our advisors right now is, his name is, um, Akil and, uh, he is an excellent digital marketer. Um, so he is, uh, he is a master at, at digital marketing. So like SEO, um, any kind of social media marketing, um, a lot of technical stuff. And, and we didn't really have anyone on the team that had really any marketing experience, let alone digital marketing, which was very important for us. So he right. steered, uh, steered us in the right direction on that. Um, we, um, we talked with uh, a couple people in the outdoor industry who played really large roles. Um, we talked to uh, – we actually competed in a, a pitch competition in Atlanta where we made it to the finals. And every team that makes it to the finals gets a uh, their own kind of advisor or pitch coach assigned to them. And um, we didn't win the competition, but we liked our advisor who was assigned to us so much that she actually – decided to come on as uh, one of our official advisors. Her name's Amelia, and she's been fantastic. Um, So we've just kind of built up um, an advisory team of people who've been able to fill roles that we've been lacking from our own personal skill sets and people who've done similar types of things before and helped us avoid a lot of the hurdles we would have run into if it was not for them.
1: Without a doubt. I think that's very valuable having people who are good at what you're not because you, you can't be good at everything. You have your strengths and you got a smart entrepreneur knows what he sucks at and finds people who can do those things better than he could ever or she could ever.
0: I just assume that I suck at everything and just need to find help <laughs> <laughs> to do anything I do. <laughs> Make yourself irrelevant. That's key. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's
1: great. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what would you say the sort of culture exists around um, Investigo, you know, and so there's two founders, you guys have a few people that support you and you guys have your advisors, but, you know, what's a
0: regular day like for you guys? Regular day? Um... You know, in an early-stage startup, uh, that's one of the exciting things about being a startup is that I don't think there is a, such a thing as a regular day. Every day is, <laughs> every day is different <laughs> in it's terms a, of what you're dealing with. A rollercoaster uh, of emotion. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Yeah, I mean, you you know as well as anyone else. You know, one day uh, we'll we'll be talking to someone who um, works for another outdoor-focused company that um, – that we have a lot of synergy with. We feel like we can partner and we can send them a lot of traffic. They can send us a lot of traffic and guides. And we're like, yeah, this is awesome. It's going to be great. And then the next day, something tragic happens. We're just playing firefighters and just trying to put out the flames. And then the day after that, uh, you know, we're back on the top of the roller coaster of like, yeah, we're killing it. This is great. And then, Day after that we're like, it's all burning down in flames. <laughs> this sucks. We should just uh, jobs. Exactly. <laughs> it's like why did I go why did I go to med school? <laughs> no, actually fortunately fortunately, no matter how bad it's gotten, I've never said that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's good. At least you know you made the right decision. Exactly. Exactly. Um So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a roller coaster. It's exciting. Um, but, uh, everyone wears a lot of different hats and does a lot of things. And that's one of the exciting things about being in a startup is that you have a lot of responsibility and that responsibility directly plays into the outcome of how the company does and ultimately whether the company survives or not. So that responsibility is exciting because you can directly see the result of your work playing out or not playing out. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty exciting to see that. So yeah, every day is different. It's an exciting environment with a lot of creativity and autonomy and really incredible people who are driven to make uh, amazing things happen.
1: Without a doubt, it's a crash course. It's literally an MBA, but, you know, <laughs> real life. Oh, so much more valuable than an oh, MBA, so much for sure. More. <laughs> yeah. like, what I've Absolute. learned in building Ready Eddie is like infinitely more than what I learned in
0: college or any any education <laughs> absolutely oh it definitely is it's um yeah i uh couldn't agree more
1: awesome so uh, you've mentioned a ton of things that have been so like overly challenging with you know building your business what would you say has been some of the hardest aspects of uh, getting
0: vestigo where it is today hmm, that's a good question uh everything um <laughs> all, <that's>, of <laughs> all of it uh, all of the above <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, you know, I think the hardest thing personally, um, and, uh, in, in my podcast, a lot of our guests say this exact same thing, but the hardest thing was getting started. It was, it was taking that first step and saying, I'm going to do this. Even though a lot of people who know you very well, your friends and your family Tell you you're stupid. Uh, I mean, they don't say like Marshall, you're stupid, but essentially <laughs> that's what they're saying. They're like, no, you're like, you like, you could go get this great job. You could go to med school. You could do all these things. Like, you got, I, I got three degrees and a master's, and now I'm like technically not using any of them and doing a startup company. It's like, why? Why would you? How would you do that? Um, <laughs> it's like, do you know? <laughs> they'll, they'll read off statistics and they'll be like, do you know that 98% of startups fail? Uh, and like this money failed before they even get to the first year. And it's like, yes, I know. Thank you. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for talking me into it. But uh, <laughs> be, being able to, um to just trust yourself and be like, look, I, I want to do this. I'm excited by it. And I know that, uh like you said, the MBA thing, like regardless of how it turns out, it's going to be the most educational way to uh, t- to learn how this works and it's it's uh such a learning experience even if even if all uh, all else fails um so but b- being having the courage to just take that first step and saying like look I'm gonna do this um, that was probably the most difficult part personally um, but in terms of the company um, I'd say the most difficult part is finding a team of really incredible people who um, not only believe in the mission and want to help, but have the capacity to do that. Um, while also forsaking the income they can make at a real job. Um, <laughs> cause they also have, the, have to have the courage to do what I just talked about and doing it yourself. Like that's one thing that's hard enough, but convincing a bunch of other people to do it, that's even harder. And then, uh, having the, um, you know, that, that weight on your shoulders of, I just convinced all these people to like quit their jobs and not take salaries and come work on the startup. And like, if this fails, it's not just me being like, Oh, well I got a good education from that. it's like, well, uh, all these people that you just convinced to come on are now, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say like, you know, homeless and living on the streets, but like they you like, they quit their job to do this. So, um, having that, Sharing that vision and getting a lot of people behind you, um, it's very powerful, but it's uh, uh, it's tough to do without first raising money, like we talked about before. Um, so that's that's something that's really difficult to do while bootstrapping.
1: Without a doubt. And then there's the pressure, like when you do raise money, it's just like, shit, I'm going to lose this person's money.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. it's Nothing gets easier. Um, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and of course, I haven't gotten to the stage, but the advice that I've gotten... Is that uh, you know you think that when you raise money things are going to get easier, uh, and then you think that when you like get a VC to give you like to fund you, or when you get to the point, or maybe you're IPOing, like that's that means like you are successful as an entrepreneur if you're IPOing your company. But like with each stage, it gets progressively harder. But everyone kind of thinks that's like if I can just reach that, man, it'll be smooth sailing from there. But no, it just it always gets harder.
1: Yeah, it's the grass is always greener syndrome, which is like, if only it was like this. <laughs> and then you get there and you're like, well, if only it was actually like this.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you don't realize what it's like until you get there, I guess. That's for sure.
1: So what what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in the outdoor industry
0: or just a business in general? Um, Business in general, I would say... Uh, If you're going to start something, you're going to have to go through that roller coaster we talked about before, a lot of ups and downs and uh, psychologically and emotionally. It's going to it's going to play a toll on not just you, but your relationships, your girlfriend, your wife, your friends. Um, And if it's not an idea that you are thrilled about that just makes you want to stay up all night and work on it and just not do anything else, like if you don't have that, especially in the beginning uh, you might have the wrong idea or maybe you're doing it for the wrong, wrong reasons, uh, which goes into the next question of starting a business in the outdoor industry. Um, if the outdoors is something you're passionate about, which for my case, absolutely is. And I think it's easy to be passionate about the outdoors because, I mean, who doesn't like the outdoors, right? Exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so like doing a startup in the outdoor industry, if that's what you're passionate about, is awesome because it definitely solves that first problem I talked about, which is you need to be 150% passionate about what, what you're doing, just really bought into it, not just personally, but also professionally. Um, and, uh, if, if you're not, if you don't feel that way, then it's going to be very tough to be able to make it through those downtimes. Um, but then the, the next side of that, um, which is almost even harder is, so now let's say you're, you're starting something. That's an idea that you're really excited about because you're really personally connected with it and passionate about it. Um, that's awesome. And that's the first step. And now the second step is kind of like, it sort of contradicts that, but you have to completely emotionally remove yourself from how excited you are about the business when focusing on the, the financial viability of what you're doing. Um, which is really difficult because I just told you to get super hyped about what you're doing and be really passionate about it. Um, but you also have to make sure that it's a good business idea because if, if it doesn't make money, it's not a startup. It's a hobby. Um, and it's, it's going to shoot yourself in the foot if you don't do the step. But you need to make sure that as you go along the you know, the first couple months, the first year, the first couple years, and you're prototyping and testing things, whenever you test something, completely remove yourself emotionally from the decision of is this working or is this not working? And only look at the numbers and the analytics um, because if you think it's working because you're super stoked about it, um, that's great. You're stoked about it, but it's going to taint the, the results of, uh, of what you're getting and ultimately your decisions, you're going to make decisions for the wrong reasons. And if it doesn't work financially, then it's just not going to work at all. Unless it's a hobby for you, then that's fine. Um, but, uh, I'd say those two things are the most important things in getting started.
1: That's such great advice, and it, it goes to show that it's, it's an emotional roller coaster. You know, it, you um, you have to be so invested in it, and I, I think you're right. Where if you're too emotionally invested, then it's it almost it blinds you from like actually making the right decisions. So having a board or you know a mastermind, a group of people who are not at all invested in your business, that you can go to and be like, hey, these are my issues. This is what I'm doing. What do you think? And then they can give you this sort of non biased opinion and be like, this is what you should do. And you know, in your gut, you'll know if they're right. You'll be like, ah, oh, shit, all right, yeah, okay, fine, this, this is what <laughs> i are supposed
0: to do. Oh, it happens all the time. For
1: sure. All the time. Um, exactly. So, what, what's, what's in store for the future for, for uh, a Vestigo? Next year, five years, 10 years, what, what do you see this turning into?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, with the startup, uh, you know, as you know, it's, uh, it's hard enough to look like a month down the road rather than (laughs) a year down the road. I mean, a lot of startups, uh, like literally our bank account doesn't last for like a year down the road. (laughs) So it's, it's hard to have that like, you know, five year vision, but of course you always have to have a vision. You always have to have a plan. And, our, our vision for Vestigo is to be a global platform for local experiences, uh, meaning that you can find locals to take you on any type of experience, any kind of guided experience all around the world. So whether that's, um, you know, like uh, fishing off the coast of Costa Rica um, or whether that's like a restaurant tour in New York, uh, you know, everyone's version of adventure is different. And while we're focused on outdoor adventures right now, Ultimately, we have the vision of being a platform that connects you with any type of guided experience, regardless of what that experience is, even if it's not purely outdoor related. Um, and we hope to be able to fulfill that service on a global scale and and bring that sense of security um, that comes with our brand um, wherever you go to be able to know that you're going to find an experience that you know is going to be awesome just because it's even on Vestigo. And to have it be easy to find those experiences. You know, you just open up the site, click find a trip, and it shows you the things closest to you. You Filter based on categories and find some awesome stuff. So um, that's kind of the vision right now. We're focusing on the outdoors because that's what I'm personally most excited in as well as our other founder. And uh, that's the, the niche that we decided to focus on for now. Because everyone, another bit of a startup advice is you should always focus on one small area that you can do very well before trying to expand too large so um so yeah that's that's kind of what we envision for the future um that's kind of our you know our long-term vision what happens between now and then there's you know, a million moving parts and pieces that could take us in all kinds of directions but um essentially that's the that's the goal of where we want to get to and um we uh <clears throat> we're excited for the journey That's great.
1: I'll definitely be the guide on the uh, New York City restaurant tours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I will be your first sign up. Let's do it.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Food, that's one of the reasons why I'm still
0: in this city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The cool thing about New York is that I I feel like that would be a a very easy trip because you can't really go somewhere that has bad food in New York. It's all great.
1: No, that's true. But the, the, the thing with New York is you can, you can fall into the trap of, um, touristy places that rip you off. You know, like everyone has this, this, um, like stigma around New York where she's like, Oh, it's so incredibly expensive. Everything is so overpriced. But it's, if you know where to go, like I've been living here for seven years. uh, Like, so I, I grew up 30 minutes outside of New York. Um, and I've been living here for seven years. You know, I did some time in Utah and all over the country and stuff like that. But, you know, if you know where to go, you can find some of the best meals of your life for, you know, 10 bucks.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I-, I will definitely be that first. You know, hey, let's prototype it. Let's, uh, let's, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I, uh, I'm all about, <laughs> all about that New York food.
1: Without a doubt. Awesome. So what would you say is the best part about running your own company?
0: Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of really awesome things about it and they all have trade-offs, but, um, I think the most exciting thing is to be in control of your own future. Um, and really know that the work you're doing is really directly playing a very large role in the outcome of, of what happens. You know, if you work at a big company, uh Not to say working in a big company is bad, but a lot of times the the work you put in whether it 's really good or bad doesn 't actually result in a tangible outcome that you s- visually see in the company um so having your own company and being able to see that and build that and uh help others to do that and see the rewards of their hard work as well that 's really exciting um but um another one of the things I really enjoy um and uh you know, uh, not just saying this to suck up or anything, but getting to meet really awesome people like yourself. It's been um, it's been a really cool, uh, really exciting journey with the business side, but a lot of it has been seeking the advice of other people, especially people in the outdoor industry. Uh, and meeting some really awesome other founders who've been doing some incredible things. And while everyone has a different idea and a different story, hearing those stories and connecting with uh, those people and seeing what they've learned and what they've what they've experienced through their journey, since they're all unique, it's it's fascinating to be able to do that. And um, it's uh, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the job: is being able to meet some incredible people.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think those the two things you just said are literally. The two, like, biggest reasons why I started Ready Eddie, like, first off, just meeting new people, you know, like, that alone, especially in the realm of the outdoor sports world, like, being able to meet you and then other founders of other startups and hearing their stories. And, like, I now have connections in places all over the world as a result of it, which in itself is in- invaluable.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely.
1: It's it's crazy. And then, you know, just the idea of being able to make an impact, right? So, like, I have friends who work, you know, I live in New York City, financial capital of the world. So many people are in finance, you know, accounting, whatever it is. And, like, they're cogs and they hate, like, some of them enjoy their job. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I get that. But for me, you know, with Ready Yeti, I, you know, I have a direct relationship with founders of startups. And when I see, you know, what we do for them, like, for example, you know, one of the companies when when we uh, introduce a um one of our brands or startups to an influencer that totally opens up a bunch of doors for them and helps them you know tap into an area that they just didn't have before. I'm just like that right there is the reason why I'm doing this. You know the idea of taking a company that is focused on sustainability, believes in what I believe in, or believes in what our community believes in, being able to sort of lift them up right there. It's just like okay when it's you know. Two o'clock in the morning and I know I gotta get something done for eight AM tomorrow morning. I'm like, okay, I can I can suck it up, get a couple hours of sleep and I'll get it done, you know. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you just gotta do what you what you gotta do, but uh it, it helps so much the that you really love what you're doing, so it's makes all the difference. Without a doubt. So
1: to send it off how can people get in contact with you learn more about you guys you guys have a podcast you, you give a little plug for our listeners so we can they can go check you guys out and see what you're all about uh but yeah
0: totally well the only plug i'll give is uh the fact that um the host of our awesome podcast tonight josh is going to be a guest on our podcast <laughs> as well so the other episodes they're cool but go listen to josh's episode uh Hopefully it's, I don't know what the timing of these episodes is going to be, but hopefully it'll be up there by the time uh, you listen to this episode. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's called inside the adventure and it focuses on people like Josh who've combined their passion for the outdoors, uh, with their personal and professional pursuits of their career and done really incredible things, um, and, uh, in the outdoor travel kind of space. So it's everything from. Olympic gold medalist whitewater kayakers and skiers to people who've never hiked a day in their life and uh, decided I'm going to summit uh, the tallest peak um, on all seven continents and actually was able to complete that within a couple years from never hiking before um so really incredible stories um and uh some really awesome stuff but you know josh's story is going to be obviously the best so go check out josh's and it's going to be awesome
1: much appreciated, my man and um yeah if you guys are uh, anyone who's listening is interested in becoming a guide or getting into a new sport uh, outdoor activity check out vestigo we'll link all the all of it up in the show notes and with that uh, marshall i really want to thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with me
0: Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. And, um, I mean, Josh, you're uh, you're a great interviewer. I I don't know if uh, our episode could be quite as good, but uh, man, setting the president pretty high. <laughs> oh, you're, you're flattering. <laughs> yeah, I bet yours is going to be even better. <laughs> uh, I don't know. As long as they're they're both great. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, it's 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 been a pleasure to be on the show. And um, yeah, for anyone out there listening who wants to get involved with the Vestigo story, uh, just shoot me an email at marshall at vestigo dot co. Um, and, uh, yeah, follow us on social media, send us a message and we'd love to get you involved. Without a doubt. Thanks, Marshall. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Josh.
1: Hey, Ready LA Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. Cool. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Red Yeti Podcast. I'll catch you next week.